Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsors. Do you wake up feeling like your best days have passed you by? Omega-3s are essential to the health of your body and cells. Scientists say an imbalance in the omega-3-6 ratio is a major cause of many illnesses. You need testing to know how healthy your cells are. Without testing, you're only guessing. Test yourself at home and start feeling better today. Find out how by calling Rick Kroll at 305-933-4219. Greetings and welcome to the Home Business Success Show right here on Biz Radio US. Folks who run home businesses have some great advantages over folks who run brick and mortar. Each week on the Home Business Success Show, we speak to home business entrepreneurs and we find out about best practices, do's and don'ts, things that really work for them and maybe things that turned into incredible money wasters and and big time sucks. Uh, My guest this week is Mark Prokop, the founder and CEO of Pro Financial Fitness. He started the business in September 2020 to help nonprofit companies set up and operate more efficiently. Prior to that, from from 2001 to 2020, Mark worked in the North Carolina nonprofit field from a bookkeeper to an all-in-one financial show where he did bookkeeping, accounting, payroll, internal and external reporting, grants management, human resources, and I would probably add chief cook and bottle washer. And that even led to being an executive director three times, one of which he founded, and being on multiple boards of directors. These experiences motivated Mark to start Pro Financial Fitness as he appreciates the work that North Carolina nonprofits are carrying out, and he wants to see them financially managed properly, stay in good shape, and stay out of trouble with the IRS and the state of North Carolina. Mark's company takes the worry out of your minute, hour, day, week, year, and lifetime. Well, it's a long lifetime, so let's see where that's all going to go. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Hank. All right. Uh, it's good to have you here. If you would, take some, take a few moments and tell us what it is that you actually do. The majority of what I am uh, doing is providing accounting services for, for especially newer nonprofits or young nonprofits, um, and just trying to get them from one step to the next as, as they try to grow and, and, and think about what else they want to do in their, in their future. Um, I also have been able to do uh, a board retreat to help manage a board retreat for one of my clients as well. Um, and of course, I can do that for others uh, as well, just without taking care of their books if, if they want to. Um, and I also can provide uh, either consulting or training to any executive director or uh, board, board members, or bo- whether it's individuals or the whole board of directors. Okay, so you're bringing up boards of directors and providing training to board members and boards of directors. Isn't it true that, well, in the business world, and probably even more particularly in the nonprofit business world, there's people who are put on the board of directors who actually have zero experience 
in business in any way, shape, or form, but maybe they're aligned philosophically with the aims of the nonprofit organization. That doesn't mean they're great business people. I mean, it reminds me a little bit, and this isn't nonprofit, but I knew a guy way back in the day, there was a print company in South Florida, and one of their best printers was a guy named Mal, which was short for Malcolm. Malcolm was the finest printer that you would ever find anywhere. And everybody always told Malcolm, you're such a fine printer. Well, Malcolm went out and started his own business. And guess what? Six months later, he was back at the at the old print company because he's a great printer, but he knew nothing about business. So you find this right in the in the field of nonprofits that people who are on the board of directors or even the people who start the nonprofits are really clueless about how to begin, right? Yeah, it's it's very simple. And even going through it myself is that I tell people when I uh, was getting laid off from a job and felt like to start a nonprofit, I tell people I had no idea really how to do it. And it was just from, from good networking with people and places that uh, – that guided me uh, to, to get it set up. And is what I said is one of my greatest achievements in the world is, is setting up a nonprofit organization. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, it's, I think that's very normal. Um, we're, we're so working in the for-profit business world, most, most people and, uh, and just know how to do their jobs, but uh, they do see a need or sometimes out of an own personal experience that helps wants them to to do something for other people that maybe have had have been in their situation but they really don't have an idea of uh of how to really set it up and that's one of the things i've even done this year with a brand new nonprofit uh is guided them through the steps of how to get set up through the state of north carolina and uh, the irs what would you say are some of the ways nonprofits are really different than from than for-profit companies and what are some of the special needs of nonprofit companies? Well, the the great example, the one example is that like I'm set up as a you know an LLC business for profit business, and that means I'm the owner of it, um, and that means I I'm allowed to when when I want to to take earnings out of the the funds out of the business for myself. Um, nonprofits are are not like set up that way. Um, it's uh, they're almost pretty much almost accountable really to the, to the general public. It's, it's saying, so the founder's not the owner, the board is, even though the board's in charge of it, they're not the owners as well. So there's some differences like that. Um, even in, for nonprofits, one of the things I have to always ask people about is uh, you're supposed to have a state solicitation license in North Carolina, as is probably true in every state. Um, so a lot of people are raising money, but they've never registered them themselves with the secretary of state's office to, to really be fundraising. Um, and then you have to renew that every year. There's things like that. Um, even a nonprofit has to provide what we call an informational tax return. So it doesn't have anything to do with paying money or, or receiving money like we think of in, in terms of personal taxes, but you have to provide information to the, to the IRS every year. Um, and it depends on how, how tiny you are, or how big you are, depending on what level of that form that it's called a 990 form that you have to provide. So then nonprofits, they have this, this notion that they have to reinvest the money that they make back into the nonprofit 
and use it for the cause for which they exist. But that's not to say that in nonprofit companies, people don't take salaries. Well, what is it? Does the nonprofit company basically hire employees in the traditional sense and pay those employees? And even if it was the owner was was looking to take a salary, would he basically hire himself through the company and, and take a salary that way? Well, yes, the salaries can be can be earned um, by whether it's the founder or the uh, or other employees. The board of directors, their main one of their main things, other than keeping the organization in good, you know, ethical and legal shape, is to hire and fire uh, a, a, an executive director. So officially, the board would vote on hiring the founder if they were going to eventually uh, earn earn a salary. Some founders are actually on the board of directors and never receive a salary, while others don't want to be on the board to, to potentially then receive a salary. And then it'd be the executive director's decision to hire or, or fire any, any employees that they want to hire for that. Um, yet you made a, a little bit of an, in, uh, a point towards like income in terms of, like I said, within nonprofits that, that your income is not taxable. Uh, so you do not have to send income tax to the federal government or to the state of North Carolina. That's one of the differences, except if you have a for-profit entity, whether you just want to sell stuff on eBay to uh, open a big thrift store or something like that, you then would pay sales taxes on that income of that for-profit entity. That, that Again, that money can then be used to help the nonprofit with its cash flow and help pay their bills and things like that. But that's got to be a for-profit entity that's, what, a subsidiary of the nonprofit? Yes, you still register that for-profit entity and, and receive a, a federal ID number with an estate ID number as well. Uh, and um, then you, you carry out your business. And then, you, again, you keep, you usually, people are keeping money separate in separate banks as well. So, in terms if there's any any type of audits that you're not mixing money technically all the time, even though you can move money into the nonprofit from your for-profit business bank. Uh, but yeah, well, you just have to get it registered. But when you do move money from the, from the uh, for-profit into the nonprofit, <laughs> excuse me, when you do move money like that, then it's a, a transaction that's kept on the books and basically everything is kept on the up and up so that you can always show the IRS, this is what we did and here's why we did it. Correct. It's it's really just a journal entry. Some people think that if you move in money from one place, another bank to another, even if it's under the same umbrella, that you're counting it as revenue going into the new bank and it's not because you've earned the income or revenue in the like the for-profit entity part and it's just a transactional like a journal entry in accounting inside your accounting system that just moves the money from one bank to another and it, so that type of entry does not show up on what you would call your income and expense statement because that's an underlying internal uh, transaction. I see that's a little more complex I think than then I need to really get into here. But it is good to know that if if a startup nonprofit company wants to do things like have uh, merchandise sales and, you know, I, I almost said bake sales, but I don't know how many nonprofits are doing bake sales. <laughs> but if they want to have something like that, then they have to register that as a for-profit company. Like if there's an animal rescue uh, group that I'm thinking of one in particular in Asheville, 
North Carolina that has a uh, it has a thrift store a few doors away from the main area where the animal rescue takes place and people go in and people donate to that thrift store then they sell things like you know dog beds cat scratching posts all those kind of things that people have donated to the thrift store so then you're saying that the thrift store is operated as a for-profit part of the business correct correct they uh you the the donations are not uh taxable uh that's the one part which again would get into more complicated accounting but uh, the sales would be taxable. So everything can be donated. So really it's making a hundred percent profit on, on what the, whether they're selling something for a penny or $5,000 or $200 or something, but it's that money that they bring in uh, on a, like a monthly basis that uh, the, their accountant or someone like myself would be uh, taking care of that to make sure that they, they calculate that and understand the sales tax rate. Uh, and and then send that into the Department of Revenue. And it's very similar where one of the people that I was asked to come out to, I always do up to one hour of a, a free initial consultation if one hour is even needed. But I went to a place that invited me out there and they told me what they were doing and they were making money off of a whole different end, a, a way of bringing in money. And when they told me they were actually uh, holding like wedding ceremonies and when I told them on their property, when I told them, I said, you need to make that into a for-profit business entity. You need to register that as a for-profit business because they were accounting for everything just as a donation into the into their nonprofit and uh, just like every other donation. And I said, uh, that sounds good. And that's very easy that nonprofits sometimes do those things. But I said, you know, legally, you need to do that because if you're ever, you know, you're audited and you, the auditors find out where this money's coming from, then they would, you know, make make a note that you're not doing things uh, correctly, and hopefully they wouldn't, you know, ruin your organization. But uh, they would could slap you on the hands and wrists and stuff like that. So yeah, I just you don't said, need you know, that. Yeah, you don't you don't need that. Yes, it's. Uh, it's very easy. I, I've seen many things happen over the years since 2001. And usually I tell people those things really don't need to ever be repeated after I've, I've seen what's happened because it's uh, sometimes it's a shame of, of what things can. Uh, and, and many, like I said, statistics are very, I, I forget the exact percentage, but there's a percentage of, um, of at least like 10, 15% of people that start a nonprofit will it'll close down within five years and maybe 15, 20% of them will close down within 10 years or something, because uh, eventually they're just, they're, they're, they haven't been doing things correctly and no one ever guided them and, and told them those things. And uh, so just as many as people are starting a nonprofit almost every day of the year in, in, in North Carolina, it's probably everywhere else. There's somebody trying to start something, but other, you know, many of them close uh, as well. Right. Well, before I ask you, uh, well, hold on one second. I just want to go back a second. And then you mentioned that they were doing the wedding photography or, or wedding ceremonies at their home. And that brings me back to the home business question that, you know, people do different things based out of a home. And some people are under the mistaken assumption that having a limited liability corporation protects them. If someone comes to their home, falls down and breaks their butt and, you know, rings up, you know, like 
$250,000 in, in hospital bills, that does not protect them. So if they're doing things out of their home, they need to make sure they have adequate insurance. That being said, uh, you say that, you know, the people go into this and they don't know what they're doing, and many of them fail. So, you know, they start with a desire to do good in the community, but sometimes that's not enough to keep them going. Uh, how can your company help nonprofit startups to get off on the right foot? Because what you don't know really can hurt you. Yeah, well, starting from the beginning, what I've done earlier this year was to guide a person uh, to start their nonprofit here in North Carolina. And I work with them over a few weeks time and we guide them through the what I have, the 10 steps to start a, a North Carolina nonprofit. So that's the first thing is to make sure that you, you're registered and set up right from the beginning, even with a state solicitation license. Um, then, then we actually, after they get going, then we start discussing things like insurance. I, I always say accounting and insurance, make sure you've got those at a minimum, uh, but also know a lawyer as, as well. And uh, there's even a special lawyer in Durham that's very, very good that I, uh, I have a contact with that, uh, that knows a lot of his, his whole work is dealing with nonprofits legally. So um, it's to try, to try to do that. I even say, again, get an accountant and a legal person on your board as two people, uh, usually you get people that, like I said, are aligned with the mission, but get, understand to get people that have accounting background and legal background, like on your board as well, because people can make decisions. And if there isn't sometimes the financial person or the legal person to bring up and say, hey, let's think about this since you're talking about that. Because um, uh, a lot of people get, they, they run by their emotions and their feelings and they, uh, they're not trying to think with logic and, and common sense a lot of times. And that's understandable, but that's, that's how some people uh, are doing that. And, and, and really, like I said, getting them there's the first step of getting them into, if they don't have an accounting system at all, that I'll keep their records in, in an accounting system that I have. That's the first step I tell them. And then we guide them into funding sources to try to increase, go after money that they didn't think they could even go after or, figuring out ways. Uh, and again, I have a set of questionnaires as well to find out what they're good at and what they're not good at. And if they're good at something already, like fundraising, then I don't need to worry about talking to them about that. Um, but if they said, we've never fundraised at all or something like that, then we can say, okay, well, it's probably time to go down that road and, and start talking about these things. But try to deal with them one thing at a time, not to overwhelm them. Um, you know, it is a journey, but it's, like I said, very easy to go years and years without being registered with the secretary of state's office or for your solicitation license or something like that. Um, and also they need to communicate what, what they're expecting in the sense out of the accounting or so, or, or, or other things, what do they want? Because something may be very unique that they want that nobody else wants. And so it really has to do with being very open to myself or anybody else that, uh, that can, that can guide them through things. So let's say they have their solicitation license and they want to begin fundraising, but they really don't know how to go about it. And they don't know what are the steps of fundraising? Do you have a, a system that you use to teach people how to fundraise and maybe even teach them how to apply for grants and things like that? Yeah, I've, I've got a couple of uh, fun fundraising training mo trainings. Most of the trainings are financial related, so people understand things in, in the financial world there. 
but I do have a couple of, of fundraising trainings that go through, um, you know, it might be, if do you want to, you know, thinking about what type of fundraiser do you want to do? And a lot of it comes down to what was the, what will the board do? Number one. I mean, sometimes I always talk about doing a golf fundraiser, which happens all the time. But if you're not ready to do that, then, then think about something else. But if you are, then here are the steps like that you need to take to, uh, to prepare for that golf tournament and, uh, and get that going. And, uh, and other things talking about, uh, you can do an annual campaign letters. Many places send letters out the latter part of the, every calendar year. Um, and to try to explain to them, how, do that, how does that letter get written? What do you put in there? What do you don't put in there? Uh, and what do you ask for and things like that? So we go through some different uh, ways of, of doing that. And some of it could be, like you said, it could be bake sales to yard sales to simple, simpler things that people feel that they can do on a weekend or so. And if that's the case, then, then go do that and forget the, forget the big thing. I'm uh, yeah. So there's just so many things that they have to know about going in. And I think that some of them, if they knew about it going in, maybe they wouldn't have gone in to begin with. However, working with someone who sets them on the right foot, like your company does, is a great way to start. That's the best way to start because knowledge is power. And if you go in doing it right, you're going to be less likely to be one of those statistics. Mark, in the time that we've got, I'd like to ask you, how are how can our listeners reach out to you if they want to start a uh, nonprofit business or if they want to find out more about what you do? What are the best ways to reach you? The, the best way, I mean, the best way is to email me at Mark, M-A-R-K. Go directly to the website, which is .com, and there's some d different pages where you can send me a note that, that it will come right, right to me. Very good. Well, I want to thank you for taking your time to be with us here today, and you certainly educated me about some things I didn't know about nonprofits. So for those of you out there who are looking to do nonprofits, uh, you probably need to arrange to speak to Mark before you get all that started. Uh, before we go, I just want to remind you that uh, there are some great resources available to home business entrepreneurs, including the Home Business Success Community, an online membership community of like-minded home business entrepreneurs. To find out more, contact me. Just go to bizradio.us, click on shows, find my face, click on that, and you'll get all the information that you need. Remember, you can achieve success, freedom, and independence in your own home business. I've done it, and you can too. See you all next week. We're back every Thursday at 1 p.m. here on Biz Radio US. This is Hank Eater wishing all of you a fabulous day of home business success. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.